Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The following program is suitable for all ages. The phone. A certain magic will always linger with the very name. It speaks of courage and fervor in the world's most brutal game. 55. Worn by Doug Buffone. A Chicago Bear through and through. He demanded excellence of himself and anyone wearing navy blue. You tell me what's going on. This is moronic. We're going to get our whipped all the way down the line. I want somebody to get kicked in the and get out there and play. You're getting paid to play this game. I'm playing right. I don't mind you getting beat. I got my whipped many times. But I tell you, I took somebody down with me. You are a professional team. Act like one, for God's sakes. Football fans, this is Buffone 55. The John Buffone Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Buffone 55, the fastest-paced podcast dedicated to analyzing the monsters of the Midway. Welcome, Barflies, Bear fans, hey, maybe even some Broncos fans. I'm your host, John Buffone, and we're coming to you live on Tuesday night, September 10th. Lori Latimer-Volkman, a writer for SB Nation's Mile High Report, is our guest, and she will join us a little bit later. But first, I want to welcome back my producer and moderator, Alyssa Barbieri, who was unable to join us last week because of that pesky hurricane dorian Alyssa, glad you're back how are you and your loved ones doing we're doing much better we got super lucky that hurricane skirted us so i was able to obviously watch that atrocious uh season opener but you know i'm back and i'm ready to do this 
Excellent. I'm ready to go, too. Let's jump right into it. So, John, let me prove you that I haven't forgotten how our show works. <laughs> so we begin and end the show with five questions that you have 55 seconds to respond to. That's John's way of dedicating Buffon 55 to Doug Buffon, his uncle, who played 15 seasons for the Chicago Bears and wore number 55. So, John, let's get the first five in the book, and then we'll bring in Lori. Sounds good. So it's been five days since the Chicago Bears faced the Green Bay Packers and delivered one of the biggest disappointments ever for Bears fans. What was the worst thing that contributed to the defeat? Was it the offensive line's lack of protection, Mitch Trubisky's inability to find open receivers, Matt Nagy's play calling, or did you detect something more disappointing than any of those factors? Your 55 seconds begin now. Look, I'm not going to pinpoint one thing because that was a full-team effort to crap their pants on live television. They couldn't block. The quarterback couldn't hit a bull in the ass with a banjo. You couldn't, or should I say, wouldn't run the ball, which brings me to the play calling. What was the game plan? Was there a game plan? I, I said this after the game was over. I felt sick to my stomach for that defense. They were getting no time to rest. Their tongues were hanging out of their mouth. They had, And they still held Aaron Rodgers to 10 points and sack him five times. I'll tell you one thing, though. They can't keep doing that. If you keep trotting your defense out there like that, they're going to get tired. And what can happen when you're playing a violent game tired? You can get hurt. And it's just a law of probability that if the defense is out there more, there's more chances that they're going to get hurt. So all of a sudden, the biggest strength of the team starts to get decimated, and you aren't losing 10-3, to you're losing 25-3, to 30-3, to so on and so forth. Now, I know that's kind of a doomsday scenario, and I don't want to look at it like that, but I don't want to map the whole season out, but man, that was hard to watch. The defense deserved to win that game. I could not agree more. So speaking of that defense, we know that the defense picked up right where they left off last season. Is there any one player that you want to single out for his performance? You've got 55 seconds. I was going to say Roy Robertson-Harris because that dude was a force inside. Three tackles and a sack, and whew, he was disruptive. The guy's 26 years old playing for a new, for a new contract. Hopefully he gets it. Hopefully it's in Chicago. Uh, but I'm going to say Leonard Floyd. A guy maybe playing for an extension. How about Leonard Floyd? Maybe the best game I've seen him play. Four tackles, two sacks. And if this is what Leonard Floyd can be fully healthy, Bears fans are going to be pretty happy. He showed an aggressive bull rush at one point. Leonard Floyd using brute force. I love it. I said it last year. Having Khalil Mack is a blessing in many ways, including taking the pressure off of Leonard Floyd to be the guy. Before Mack, some people had astronomical expectations for Leonard Floyd. And then Mack comes in, and that pressure is alleviated. So so maybe, just maybe, this freshly turned 27-year-old is finding his groove. He had seven sacks his rookie year and then four and a half and then four after that. He already has two. So if, and that's a monumental if, if he can stay healthy, this could be Leonard Floyd's best statistical year to date. So speaking about another one of Ryan Pace's draft picks, back to Trubisky. In mid-July, the Athletics surveyed 55 NFL coaches and executives, asking them to rank by tiers all of the starting quarterbacks. Trubisky came in at the third tier with Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, and Marcus Mariota. In the fourth are players like Josh Allen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. What's your concern level that Trubisky could sink to their ranks? You got 55 seconds. I'm going to be honest. I don't give a crap about coach rankings, executive rankings, media rankings, or any other BS rankings that have no effect on anything. My concern is that the quarterback of the Chicago Bears played miserably against the Packers in week one. He looked like he was a one-read quarterback all night. When other receivers were open, he was locked in on his first read. He was missing throws and looked like he maybe didn't have the best grasp on the offense. That being said, I'm not damning Trubisky into the depths of Rex Grossman, Cade McNown, or 
we'll say Craig Krenzel, it's one game, and I don't think the play calling really helped him out either. But like I said last week, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. You don't stand still in the NFL, and Mitch needs to take the reins and run this offense the way we've heard he's able to run this offense. The last thing Bears fans want is for Mitch to turn into Tony Eason or Todd Blackledge. Why do I bring up those names? Those were the other guys that were drafted in 1983 in the first round with John Elway, Jim Kelly, and Dan Marino. And we already see Patrick Mahomes with an MVP and Deshaun Watson doing his thing on Monday Night Football the other night. We don't want Mr. Bisky to turn into the other guy. And so moving on to question number four, obviously Matt Nagy decided to rest his starters. So do you think that that decision to rest his starters throughout all of the four preseason games backfired on him? 55 seconds, start now. Listen, it would be really convenient for me uh, to play Captain Hindsight in this scenario. And, uh, and although I do support and still support keeping your guys healthy, if Mitch Trubisky truly was rusty all game and not used to game speed, well, something needs to change in preparing for the season then. Uh, the, the guy who needs it the least in the entire NFL, I'm talking about Tom Brady, he played in a preseason game. So while some of the other physical positions may benefit from not playing, even if you have an inkling that your quarterback might struggle in week one, then maybe some reps wouldn't be terrible. But like I said last week, I assume they're simulating game situations and you know bringing people up to game speed and practice. But maybe there's a bigger difference than I thought. Maybe I'm missing something in all of this. But if I'm a Bears fan, I'm hoping it's rust. I'm hoping that wasn't a fully functional Mitch Trubisky. I'm hoping that a lot of it had to do with play calling because that's sure as hell not going to get it done. So if I, if I look over this, I, I'm hoping that this was just a blip and not a trend. And final question, and then you can bring Lori in. Where are you in this booing issue that's popped up? For those of you that don't know, All-Pro Safety Eddie Jackson said that it was, quote, unacceptable for the Soldier Field crowd to boo Mitch Trubisky and the offense. He never heard it in Alabama where he played college football, and he thinks it in no way helps a team win games, and that's what fans should do. Take 55 seconds and no more. I'm going to need more than 55 seconds. Look, I love Eddie Jackson, but in his four years at Alabama, the Crimson Tide lost one home game. So there really wasn't an opportunity for the home fans to ever boo. Uh, I'm not a big booer myself, but you know what? I get it. If you watch the Seattle-Cincy game over the weekend, Seattle fans long regarded as the 12th man and some of the best fans in the league were booing the offensive play calling because they were constantly running into a brick wall and expecting different outcomes. I think the booing came from a deep place in Chicago. For eight months, Bears fans endured the sting of the double doink. You look over this team and think they're about to take a step forward on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Mitch is in year three, second year with Matt Nagy. They're going to come out on fire. It's the start of the 100th season. You're on national TV against Green Bay. Everyone thinks the Bears are a prime candidate for a regression year, and all you want to do is prove them wrong, and the defense comes out on fire, and then that's what you're offered offensively? It's like waiting for Christmas morning, and instead of getting an Xbox, Santa slid down the chimney, stole your wallet, and bounced. The booing was a culmination of just an utter letdown across the board. I'm not necessarily defending it because Eddie Jackson's right. I mean, booing's never going to solve anything. Neggy's not going to hear the boos and then run up to Section 3G and ask Stan Polinski, who from Urbana, who's wearing a faded Bernard Berrien jersey, what play he should be calling. But in a way, I understand it, and I hope the situation doesn't present itself again. That being said, I would like to welcome in Lori Lattimore-Volkman, writer for SB Nation's Mile High Report. Lori, welcome to the show. Before we even jump into anything, let's get a couple things out of the way before we talk Broncos. Besides writing for the Mile High Report, you are an adjunct professor teaching primarily advanced media writing and public relations courses at the College of Charleston. So, from a teacher's standpoint, how would you grade my responses so far? 
I give you an A plus. I, I especially, I, I especially like how how fast you can talk. That's impressive. That that is from three years of seasoning. That that that's this is our third season. So this I've turned into a mini auctioneer, if you will. So it's 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 an acquired skill. Secondly, I want to talk about a uh, op-ed you wrote in 2014 in the Denver Post titled "Dear Mr. Manning." You addressed the future Hall of Famer about his legacy. Uh, can you kind of summarize what you wrote because? It's a post that kind of already has a legacy of its own. I, I, re- I read over it today. Very impressive stuff. Can you kind of let our listeners know what that's all about and so they can check it out? Well, if you recall the 2014 Super Bowl where the Broncos lost 43-8 to the Seahawks, not a good showing, a bad reckoning afterwards, and we were listening to pundit after pundit after pundit talk about whether – Peyton Manning's legacy as a quarterback was now tarnished because he had such a poor showing in the Super Bowl. He only had one trophy, blah, 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 blah. So being a diehard fan I am and knowing that I had plenty of company <laughs> with many other fans, I wrote a, a basically a, an open letter to Peyton Manning telling him that his legacy was not tarnished because his legacy went far beyond just winning championships and as it turned out I kind of hit a chord with you know hundreds of thousands of Broncos fans who were reeling from the loss and needing some other fans to commiserate with I think well it's an awesome op-ed I encourage all the barroom listeners to google dear Mr. Manning Uh, they're gonna find that post it's a great read so I encourage everybody to google that up obviously after the show but but let's let's jump right let's jump right into the current state of the Broncos last night the Broncos on the road, they they fall to the Raiders 24-16. On your morning after post on the Mile High Report, you wrote, in Vic Fangio's head coaching debut, the old school coach who preaches not dying by inches just went into the black hole and died by 12,852 of them. What did you mean by that? <laughs> well, I'm curious if he ha- ever used the death by inches mantra with, with Bears fans, but when he came to... Denver back in February, he mentioned that one of the things he was really going to be big on was taking care of the little things, making sure you pay attention to the details so that, so that little mistakes here and there don't add up to something big. And he, he has really been awesome all off season to listen to, to, you know, kind of get behind and, and watch him develop into his role as a head coach for the first time. And so we go to this game with honestly just super high expectations, not necessarily like Broncos are going to win the Super Bowl expectations, but we're going to be a much better team. We're going to be a disciplined team. We're going to be a prepared team. And we came out and I, it looked like the worst of the worst of 2017 and 2018 in so many ways. It was so disappointing and it felt like, you know, we didn't just, it wasn't even just inches. It was, it was massive yards. And that number, by the way, wasn't completely random. I basically just took the offensive yards that uh, the Raiders had gotten, figuring that, you know, they were able to score points with those yards and our defense couldn't do anything with those, with those yards. And I multiplied that by 36 inches. And so that is, that number is 357 yards of offense that the Broncos could do nothing with. Well, you say you don't know if he preached death by inches here. Bears don't we – don't, we don't have death by inches. We have death by doinks. That's kind of how it works in Chicago right now. But uh, <laughs> sticking with Fangio, uh, 
you, you complimented him throughout the preseason because he's preached fundamental football. In Chicago and in San Francisco, uh, and as a defensive coordinator, he did the same. Are you concerned that the roster is kind of resistant to old-school football? We see this from time to time where guys who come from a different era are trying to talk to these guys who are in their early 20s, and maybe the styles and the cultures just don't jive. I don't think so. I mean, I certainly, prior to last night, I would have said, no way. They've all bought in. They've certainly said as much in their off-season pressers, which is always a little iffy anyway. You never, a lot of that is, is player speak, coach speak, whatever. But, you know, they definitely, it, it seemed like they understood what Vic was doing. They didn't always like everything, like no music at practice or whatever. But n- nobody seemed there, there was the locker room seemed really behind him and definitely very cohesive and uh, you know c- feeling like this is the coach and his ideas and his defense are really going to m- kind of put our defense over the top again and we're going to be able to assemble an efficient offense because we've got. Rich Scandarello and and Vic is going to let him do his thing and blah, 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 blah. And then it was just so flat. I mean, they they opened with crazy plays that didn't work. The defense just watched the Raiders march down the field. And, you know, our our corners couldn't cover anybody. So my concern is not that players are buying into Vic Fangio's mantra and, and to his approach. My concern is that the Broncos don't actually have the personnel on defense to handle the traditional Vic Fangio defense. The one that we've been, you know, raving over for months that, you know, you know, we've had Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and we have Chris Chris Harris Jr. We just needed a coach to really make the scheme, you know, fit with such athletic, talented players. And it turns out we have three (laughs) athletic, talented players and we have a great defensive line, but but our secondary, is depleted by injury, seemed really weak once again, and that was that was definitely hard to watch. And it just looked like you know a couple of them were lost and confused. And Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, I mean, where were they? Nowhere. So what we thought were the strengths of our defense didn't show up at all and so I'm a little more concerned that we don't have we just don't have enough of the strong players that that you guys had in Chicago or that he had in in San Francisco when he assembled those really good defenses. We're talking to Lori Latimer-Volkman, writer for SB Nation's Mile High Report. Lori, we're talking about Vic Fangio, who is preaching fundamentals, but uh, some fundamental errors occurred in that game, uh, like catching the football. Joe Flacco threw a perfect pass to Deshaun Hamilton in the end zone. They zipped past his hands, <laughs> hit him in the chest, and it fell incomplete. Flacco finished 21 or 21 of 31 for 268 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Uh, why is he not getting more love from the Denver media? Are they just kind of waiting for the other foot to fall, or is it just that he's not a sexy enough name? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's taken a little bit of time for Broncos fans to feel okay about accepting Joe Flacco. You know, he he's still, I think to many people, kind of the, we like to make fun of him being elite, <laughs> and and mostly we like to point to, the uh, the playoff game where he 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 beat us and we hate him so I think having him on our team now took a little getting used to and it it's different than a Peyton Manning where Broncos fans were the same way back in in 2012 
you know, Manning had beaten us over and over and over again as a Colt, and a lot of fans did not want him here. But he came in, and then he was amazing, and he won. So I was like, yeah, okay, we kind of like that guy. Joe Flacco, he's not the same demeanor. He's definitely no Peyton Manning, but he's an efficient enough quarterback. I think he he doesn't have, you know, flashy pizzazz. So it's I don't think it's a – I don't think people are that – they're like not really accepting him. I think they're kind of warming up to Joe Flacco, but unless he starts throwing lots of touchdowns, you know, they're not going to really be excited about him because we've, we have now been beaten to death with terrible quarterbacking, terrible offenses for three years. And we're, we're just gun shy. So we need him to come out and be on fire before we're going to say Joe Flacco's our guy. Talking about Sexy Joe Flacco with Lori Latterman-Volkman, writer for SB Nation's Mile High <laughs> Report. Some of the guys that Sexy Flacco's throwing to, uh, Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders, they look pretty good. Sutton, a second-year player, only 23 years old, caught seven passes for a buck 20. Uh, 32-year-old Sanders had five catches, one of which was a touchdown. This looks like it could be kind of a dynamic duo. What are the expectations in Denver for these two? Yeah, I, I mean, that was one of the the real positives of the game. And Emmanuel Sanders, we know he's amazing. He's been our, I like to, you know, he's been our clutch player for years. He was, he was amazing with Peyton Manning, but then he was the one guy with our quarterback carousel these last few years who could actually catch a pass and do something with it. So it's, it's not a surprise to see him in this role again, but given that he just came off an Achilles injury um, and that, you know, he's actually back a little earlier than expected and that he's already, you know, back to basically back to regular Emmanuel Sanders form is very encouraging because it was really obvious last year when he went out with an injury and we suddenly had two rookies who were forced into a wide receiver one and wide receiver two role that they really weren't ready for that. It's different to be a rookie and be contributing and it's different than when you have to be a starter. And so we knew we would need him. What's really good is to see Cortland Sutton have um, show some real improvement, show some maturity and, you know, kind of adding to his route tree and being able to develop quite a bit of chemistry already with Joe Flacco. So that one actually has me very encouraged. Uh, the, uh, Flacco and Sanders, I actually expect it. <laughs> so I just need to have both of those guys continue to do what they do. Let's stick with the offensive side of the ball. The Broncos running backs rush for over four yards a carry against Oakland. Uh, the team's new offensive coordinator, they've installed a zone blocking scheme based on what you saw Monday night. Uh, is there a reason to be encouraged that the Broncos can put together a strong rushing attack with all those running backs? It took a while to get started, for sure. I mean, the first half was a kind of a disaster with the offensive line, and the running backs were doing a little bit, but but they really actually got some rhythm in the second half. And so I think we saw what we were hoping to see from Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Both of those guys can be explosive in different ways and can be really good. And, and they actually, they actually did great. It, it was really, you know, they, we moved the ball, they ran the ball. Well, they, they had big yardage. They, they got first downs, but then when we got into the red zone, we either had a mistake or, or we just couldn't, or we had a, a bad play call. And, that pushed us back. So we couldn't take advantage of, of the work they had done. But I, I was encouraged to see the offensive line block better for the running game in the second half. 
I would say probably one of my biggest concerns for this team is the offensive line, especially after today's news. We had a, some injury news, and it's you know we don't have enough players to have any injuries on that line. Yeah, and kind of diving right into that, pass blocking seems to be another issue, and it's not like Joe Flacco is the most fleet of feet. So uh, he's some he's not he's kind of. <laughs> Kind of a statue back there. Can you give us an overview of the offensive line, their new offensive line coach, Mike Munchak, who incidentally, as you probably know, is the fifth offensive line coach in five years. Uh, what's the outlook with the line as far as pass blocking and protect, keeping Flacco upright? This is another thing where we had really high hopes for Mike Munchak, as, you know, a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Very probably a very unfair expectation that he's going to come in and just work magic with these you know, the sort of haphazard band-aid kind of offensive line that we have, and they're going to be amazing. And of course that didn't really happen, but part of it has just been injuries. We had, so we had Ron Leary back last night. He hasn't played all preseason because of coming back from an Achilles injury that he suffered last year in training camp. Um, So he's back, he's back, but this is his first game. And, you know, he looked rough. He, he did not look, and I'm part of that is probably just, being back into football shape, but um, Jawan James, who we acquired in free agency, we were really looking forward to having him solidify, help solidify the line. And he went down with an injury and he's having an MRI and it, it looks like he's going to be out and it's possible. It's going to be, uh, I, I don't know about season ending, but it's definitely going to keep him out for several weeks. So that is not good news. Garrett Bowles is our third year former first-round draft pick who has just every year struggled to be the player we need him to be, mostly because he gets penalties like, you know, like, just like you catch a cold. It's constant. So he's been a little better, but he's not a great blocker. We're, we're hoping Mike Munchak can help him figure this out because you don't want to say you wasted a first-round draft pick, but it's starting to look that way. Dalton Reisner who is our rookie, he probably looks the best on the line and he's our rookie, <laughs> but he's healthy and he's, he's learning the, you know, the, the pro ranks there. And he had a nice block last night that really helped Philip Lindsay get some big yards. So there's hope for him and our center, Connor McGovern. He's, he's not really a true center. He came into that role last year when Matt paradise went down with an injury and then we traded paradise. So, um, <laughs> we have a guy who's not in his most natural position, but he's learning the position. So it's a patchwork and we don't have depth. We, we have, we have one guy who is listed three times as the second guy on the depth chart. <laughs> so he's Good. kind of our most important. Yeah. Elijah Wilkinson, he came into the game when, um, I believe when Juwan James or maybe Ron Leary went down and, he didn't do so hot. So, so your defensive front, for example, should have a field day on Sunday. Bears fans love hearing that. We are talking to Lori Latimer Volkman, writer for SB Nation's Mile High Report. Hey, what- I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who said those famous words, that's gold, and that's the name of my podcast. That's gold with Steve Heitner. We talk a little sports. You can call a foul on any play. 
You could call a foul on a free throw. That's how much contact there is in basketball. <laughs> and a little gambling. I decided to quit gambling because I decided I wanted to stay married. Mm, current events. We are talking about football players getting free whoppers. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we tackle physics. I think it's fair to say that I got the short end of the stick. And how does a stick have a short end? <laughs> yes, what, what is the short of end of a stick? That is, <laughs> it's a metaphor! We share honest moments about ourselves. I would never have a girlfriend, but several would think they were my girlfriend. <laughs> Five days a week, it's That's Gold with me, Steve Hyken. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. What's the deal with the tight end position in Denver? The box score shows no offense being the only one to catch a pass. Uh, two for 29 yards um but he's also had some problems and i'm gonna i would like to follow up with who backs up fan because if if anyone knows lack of depth at tight end it's bears fans but i'm interested to know what's going on in denver well we have our biggest issue then again is injuries we have several (laughs) tight ends on the on the roster but jeff hireman is um has a you know he just has some minor soreness I think an injury I frankly I'm a little shocked he wasn't listed as the starter because he he's he played in preseason um, but just they were I think they've been holding him out protecting him Noah Fant was going to be second and then Troy Fumagalli is third but Troy Fumagalli third really because Jake Butt had been um, was supposed to be third and went down with his like third knee injury um, or actually I should say he had a third knee injury earlier this year, but he was having some complications and had to get a very minor surgery related to that. So he's out for a few weeks and we placed him on IR. So it's, um, it's just a depleted group. Noah Fant is about the only one who, who's healthy, fully healthy. The other guys are working their way back into full health from some minor injuries. We, I'm going to switch gears and go back to the defensive side of the ball. We talked about uh, the disappearance of Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. The defense allowed touchdown drives of 72 
95 and 60. I guess part of the problem was the lack of pass rush was seemingly seemingly would be a team strength. But Derek Carr, uh, his uniform was basically clean all night. How in the world did the Raiders contain Von Miller and Bradley Chubb? Well, a big part of it was how quickly Derek Carr got rid of the ball. I mean, he, there was some stat on Twitter that he, he was one of the, like, the three fastest QBs this weekend um, in terms of getting the ball out, like 2.3 seconds or something. So that, that certainly helped because we had Colton Miller and Trent Williams who were you know, pretty, pretty good at, at, um, at least slowing down Miller and Chubb. And I think our coverage occasionally they dropped – they dropped Miller and Chubb into coverage. So they weren't always rushing the passer, but it was highly disappointing. I mean, not a single QB hit (laughs) on the day. That's like that, even as quick as Carr was, that just shouldn't happen. So, um, and we have a good defensive front really. So I, I, I think, you know, Chubb and Miller just, they, they couldn't get there fast enough. And part of it too was our secondary was was weak and so Carr could make that he could make that two second pass read because he had open guys or he had one on one and he knew he could beat you know his his receiver was going to be able to beat our corner and that happened all night what a segue that is you wrote that second year cornerback Isaac Yaitam I don't know if that if I said that right because Aldo gave me absolutely no help going into the show about how to say his name but uh <laughs> Tell us what happened. It was ingrammatically correct. It was ingrammatically, yeah. That's an inside joke, but just so you know, everybody at the barroom, Aldo can't talk. Uh, Give give us a better understanding of what's happening with that defensive backfield. Um, uh, Any news on former Bears slot corner Bryce Callahan? That's a name that Bears fans are quite uh, familiar with. Yeah, well, we we would love to know what's going on with Bryce Callahan, quite honestly. I mean, we were excited to get him, looking forward to actually shoring up our cornerback depth and 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 our secondary and having somebody on the other side of Chris Harris Jr. that would you know that would really help compete so other teams wouldn't you know they they just throw away from Chris Harris Jr. because he they know how good he is so all last season we whoever was playing which was generally Bradley Roby just got hammered and you know targeted all night and usually lost (laughs) the battle so Callahan still has, I think he's still dealing with um, complications from the foot injury. And frankly, they haven't told us much. Even the coach today said they don't, you know, it looks like he could play Sunday, but they really don't know. And then Fangio followed up with, but we said that last week too. So it's really, it's really up in the air. So I don't know, but we, we needed him. And I'm really disappointed that he has been out with an injury because it really showed up last night. Isaac Yadam, he actually played great in preseason. He looked like he had kind of turned a corner, that he'd uh, figured out the position a little better, made that leap that you make to to really being in the pro, being in a pro defense. And he just, he was, he was behind the ball. He was slow. It, you know, maybe it's kind of a little, a little uh, tight in his hips and can't, can't swivel enough to turn and, and keep up with those guys, but he was just a step behind all the way. Let's talk about everybody's favorite aspect of football, special teams. The announcers kept talking about how poorly the Broncos special teams has been throughout the last few years. <laughs> uh, can you kind of give us the mile-high report on that unit, and are they as bad as advertised? 
Uh, I think I, when you allow a, you know, 72 yard run back, I think they are <laughs> early in the game. I was a little encouraged because we, we had a couple of nice stops, um, you know, kept pinned them back a little bit. So it was, it wasn't, wasn't anything fantastic, but it was, it was good. And that's honestly, as Broncos fans, we would just be thrilled with them to catch the ball and not lose it and not run backwards, you know, when they're the ones fielding the punts and then when they're covering to, to be able to, you know, keep their assignments, stay in their lane and, and contain the guys rather than letting them slice and dice them all the way up the field, which happens, happens way too much to us. seems like it really doesn't happen to other people very often, but again, happened last night. So it, it was very discouraging. We even have, um, we have a new guy that we, that we just got off of waivers. He wasn't with us all preseason, you know, fielding kicks. So that tells you a little bit about how, how our preseason went with special teams. And it looks like our regular season might go the same way. Sounds promising. We're, we're talking to Lori Latimer Volkman, writer for <laughs> SB you, Nation. Are you guys excited about Sunday yet? You probably. I like, mean, I'll be honest. You're you're increasing my confidence level, and I, I think I'm going to have you on every week just because talk about how bad the Broncos are. <laughs> last last question from me before I throw you into the chat room, and Alyssa will take care of you there. Uh, finish this sentence for me. The Broncos will beat the Bears on Sunday if. Go ahead. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb get to Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, and that seems to be well. That's I mean, it's we we can see what happens uh, in week one whenever <laughs> there's a little bit of pressure. Sometimes Mitch seemed a little locked in on uh, on one read there, but we're hoping that changes pace. Uh, Alyssa, <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you've been uh, you've been interacting with everybody in the chat room. Uh, you got some questions for Lori? I do. I have four questions. Hello, Lori. So bad news to know. Ash wants to know, uh, Lori, your expectation for the Broncos' offense against the Bears' defense. Should they have a body bag on site for Flacco? You know, seriously, literally before yesterday's game, I would have said it'll be it'll be tough, but you know, Flacco will be able. We have good running backs and we have some good receivers, so we'll be okay. But I'm really worried about our offensive line, so I think at least one body bag would be a good idea. And so Ryan wants to know, what do you think the Broncos will try to do to counter the Bears' pass rush? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, hold them. That's probably what they'll do, and we'll get penalties. So that, <laughs> I think that's going to be my, my serious answer would actually be that Joe Flacco can get the ball up pretty quickly. Hopefully we will, we will try we – won't, we won't try to be too cute. I don't, I don't know if you guys watched our offense, but – you know, when your very first play of the game is an end around to a tight end who's a rookie and you're at an away game and you're already behind, like, what kind of play call is that? I, I need John to do a little mantra for the Broncos the same way he did for the Bears because it was pathetic. And play calling like that on Sunday will kill us. So just, you know, doing doing the, the things that – getting the – doing some – some play action and getting getting the ball out quickly to some short slants and getting to our our tight end hopefully and to our, even our running backs I think would be the best way to try and you know not always try to look down and wait for the for the deep pass even though Flacco likes the deep play. So the Broncos are pretty hard to beat at home in September. So what can you tell us about the altitude at Mile High? How much of an advantage 
do you sense that it is for the home team? And have you ever seen or heard of a visiting team doing something innovative to counter that altitude advantage? At first, I do think it's an advantage for sure. Um, but don't tell the Bears that. They should show up on Sunday morning. It won't be a big deal. Just go play the game. They'll be fine. But you w- they do need to stay hydrated, and it, will, it wears you out quickly. So I think the, the main thing teams do is they just get there and try to get acclimated and drink a lot of water. But if it were me, I'd get myself an altitude tent, and I'd be sleeping in it every night this week. <laughs> I could deal with that when I got there. Well, that sounds fun. Well, there you do that. <laughs> and I have one last one before you go. So Harp wants to know, how the hell are you being from South Carolina, a Broncos, and a Cubs fan? <laughs> it's a long story, but I was born, um, well, honestly, I was born in Wisconsin, but we won't talk about that. Ew. And I, Ew. but my, I, we moved, I was a baby, we moved to Colorado. I grew up a Broncos fan and the, it was before the Rockies. There were no Rockies at the time. And my parents, my mom is from Chicago. And so she was a Cubs fan. My dad is from Texas, but when he was growing up, the Cubs were on WGN far more than any Texas team. So he was a Cubs fan as a kid. So growing up, I was a Broncos fan and a Cubs fan. Isn't that something? I mean, <laughs> oh, WGN <laughs> strikes again. Uh, Lori, I want to thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on Buffone 55. Before we kick you out of here, can you tell our audience where they can find your work and they can interact with you on social media? You can find my work at milehighreport.com. That's the SB Nation Broncos site. And you can find me on Twitter at DocLLV, which is D-O-C-L-L-V. All right, Lori, if the Bears lose six in a row, we're going to bring you back just so you can make us feel better about how bad the Broncos are. <laughs> Lori lattimore Hoffman, <laughs> writer for SB Nation's Mile High Report. That, Lori, thank you so much, and we'll be talking to you down the road. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, Lori. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks. one thing it is time for the second half of our b55 question so let's get right down to it let's do while we traditionally do five i'd like to go to ot here so be prepared oh goody so aaron lynch of the bears who played three seasons for vic fangio said this about his former coach i know deep down he's really looking forward to this game question is how much is he looking forward to scheming against Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy, given what he knows of these two? Do you think we're facing a meeting of the minds with these two coaches? And do you feel he has a huge advantage facing Trubisky? You've got 55 picks. Well, I'm sure he's looking forward to it for a number of reasons. I'm sure at some point he thought he could be the head coach of the Chicago Bears, and obviously he was retained as a coordinator when Nagy came in. I'm sure he's anxious to show his former team that he can be successful as a head coach and wants to make Chicago miss him, although I don't think Vic's in any way spiteful. But if you look at this matchup, Vic should have some serious advantages. He saw this offense every day. He knows Mitch's tendencies. He has a week of tape to go off of what we saw in Green Bay. Uh, If things hold even for week one, the, the way these offenses are playing, this might be a 6-3 to three ball game, but 
You know, Nagy got to see Fangio's defense every day, too, and they're still practicing against a defense that knows that system very well. So as much as everyone wants to give Fangio the nod here, let's not pretend that Nagy's going into this thing completely blind. These guys know each other very well. And I'm sure Nagy is just as juiced to not only match minds with Fangio, but is eager to show that last week was a blip, a mulligan opportunity, that the offense really isn't in tatters. He gets a real chance to prove that this week. And so Raiders, uh, Raiders rookie running back Josh Jacobs ran the ball 23 times for 87 yards and two touchdowns last night in his debut. Bears rookie David Montgomery only had a total of six rushing attempts. That's 17 fewer attempts than Jacobs. How badly do you think Nagy needs to lean on Montgomery for a Bears win against a Broncos defense that could again be missing inside linebacker Todd Davis? The clock uh, starts now. Uh, a lot would be my answer. I said I wanted David Montgomery to steal the Packers' soul last week with long, sustaining drives. He carried the ball six damn times. They didn't even try to run the ball, so it's not even like they couldn't get anything going on the ground. They just abandoned it. What What do you have this three-headed monster for if you're just going to let them collect splinters on their ass on the sidelines? Mitch isn't going to set up the run. The run is going to set up Mitch. Throwing the ball 46 times in a one-score game just ain't going to get it done. All this deception and design doesn't work if you can't run the ball down someone's throat every once in a while. I'm not saying go full-blown Dowell Loggins and go run-run pass for 10 straight drives, but man, establish the line of scrimmage and demoralize a defense early by ripping off chunks of four, five, six yards. That makes it even more enticing if Davis isn't in there, but I don't care if Ray Lewis is on the other side of the field. Go get your road graders and hyperdrive and blow their asses off the line. That's what the, this is. So whenever they're creeping up, you can get a sneaky wheel route with Tariq Cohen or go to one of the other playmakers. Establish a run and then break some backs. And so Derek Carr was 22 to 26 for 259 yards and a touchdown pass against Fangio's defense. A very efficient game. So Trubisky now has two straight games where he's been inefficient. Last week versus the Packers and the playoff game against the Eagles. Where is your confidence level at that Mitch can have a David Carr type of game against the Broncos and why? You are on the clock. I mean, I'm confident he can. We've seen Mitch have those kinds of games before. We've seen him have better games than that before. I'm not going off of any tangible data here, but I think we might see the pocket move a little bit more this week. Mitch is accurate when he's rolling out. He's also pretty accurate when he's on the run. So maybe he needs that movement to get into a rhythm or see the whole field. Uh, I know it's not exactly going out on a limb to say Trubisky is going to play better this week because I can't imagine him playing worse. But I, I think they're going to go over the film meticulously this week. And I do think Mitch has a good football IQ. I think we've seen him make some crazy accurate passes. The problem is we've seen it in waves and then things settle down or bottom out. I don't know if this is a great opportunity for Mitch to get back on track because it's going against a dangerous defense with Chubb and Von Miller on the other side. But maybe this is a good barometer to find out where the offense is. The Broncos showed some vulnerability in the deep pass, so maybe there's something that we see there a few times. I I don't know if we plan the season out according to this game. You can't do it with one game. You probably shouldn't do it with two games. But if we see the same thing we saw last week, that's when a blip turns into a trend. So on Monday night, Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders had a combined 206 receiving yards, and they could have had many more yards if Joe Flacco had spotted them running open. What does your gut say about these two wideouts against the Bears' defense? And can Joe Flacco have actually can, – can he actually have a better game against the Bears' defense given Fangio's familiarity with them? You have 55 seconds. 
Well, Sutton and Sanders had solid games, but it really didn't translate into a ton of points either. So let's not get it twisted. Joe Flacco is not Aaron Rodgers. Some of those high-pressure plays where Rodgers can escape and get the ball uh, get the ball out and turn a sack into a five-yard gain, I'm not so sure Flacco is the same kind of escape artist or magician. He's tall. He's big. He's kind of like a statue back there. I think the Bears are great at getting pressure up the middle, and obviously Khalil Mack coming around the edge. Uh, as we've seen in the past and in the words of the great Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. So if they get to Flacco early, whatever they have scripted might not work out so well, and then everything else goes to hell. And chaos normally favors the defense. I really like the Bears' defense in this matchup, and we haven't really talked about them as much because we've been focusing on the offense, but that shows the confidence level that the fans, coaches, and players really have in the defense. This is a hyper-aggressive unit that Pagan, Pagano was overseeing. And uh, so much for that regression, huh? That, di- that didn't really work out like everybody said it was going to. So before I get to my final question, John, we have two questions in the chat room for you I'd like to get in. Sure. So how do you feel about the lack of tight end depth uh, and the impact that it will have on the Broncos game? I mean, is that an underlying aspect that we didn't really talk about too much when it came to game, uh, you know, game script or play calling that a lot of the, a lot of these things maybe hinged on Trey Burton being in there or maybe him being it, uh, maybe more of a of an asset on the on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe. And, you know, Adam Sheen's not really that guy. And then, you know, Broniker would probably fill that H-back area or whatever. So it is concerning because we don't know what we're going to get it from the tight end position week to week. We don't know if Burton's ever going to be fully healthy or if he's going to play or not play. Is Shaheen going to, you know, step up and be a red zone target or does his back hurt? And is Bradley Soul, who's a former lineman, going to be the guy who's getting a lot of snaps at some point throughout the year? That's that that is concerning. And I said it was concerning last week. And that concern only continues to grow as we're still not sure what's going on. And Hart wants to know, who is Mitch's go-to guy, other than Montgomery getting some heavy carries and receiving yards? Who do you think is his go-to guy? Uh, I mean, I mean, I think we saw his go-to guy was probably Allen Robinson last week. He was eyeing him down quite a bit, but also he missed Robinson on a couple routes as well. Uh, I think that he Allen Robinson was brought in to be that guy. He was brought in to be a number one guy. We saw what he did in Jacksonville. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily think that he's a security blanket, but I also think that Allen Robinson could. He should be at least you know a seventy to eighty reception guy. Uh, you gotta be. You gotta be able to go to your number one receiver, and the, your number one re- receiver should put up good stats. But as far as a go-to guy, I mean, a safety blanket would always be Tariq Cohen because he can turn you know uh, anything out of nothing. So uh, I don't know who his go-to guy is at this point because if you watch that, on, if you watch the film, if you watch rewatch that game. Who the hell is the go-to guy? Who was who was the guy that was going to step up and do something last week? I'm not sure because the play calling really didn't, you know, let us formulate any kind of opinion on that. So it's gonna, probably going to take another week before we figure out who the go-to guy is. Okay, so last week, your pep talk to Eddie Pinheiro worked. He hit his first and only field goal attempt. So this week, we need you to get Mitch Trubisky on track. The clock is off. Give Mitch that famous Buffon boost. <sighs> Ah, Mitch, (laughs) you know, a lot of these talks involve me getting super intense, sometimes yelling, lathering myself up into a frenzy, hoping to inspire somebody to run through a brick wall. But I don't think you need that. I think you're an intense, passionate, fiery player already. And I believe that you absolutely want to be the best quarterback in the NFL. Those boos could not have felt good last week, am I right? But you should realize that the fans aren't booing because they want you out of town. They're booing because they want you and this team to succeed so badly. 
Chicago fans are so emotionally invested in the Bears, and they're so emotionally invested in you. It's like that old adage, just because I'm mad doesn't mean I don't care. You're the quarterback. You're the leader of this team, and the biggest attribute of a leader is how they handle adversity. And you already have plenty of that heading into week two. Opposing players, media pundits, and fan bases outside of Chicago are already writing you off. But there is nothing quite as sweet as getting up off the mat and popping someone who's been running their mouth right in the face. You have all the help in the world around you. A world-class defense, exciting receivers, a reliable run game, which I imagine will be unwrapped this week. Just go out there and play the game. A game you've been playing all your life. Relax, man. Go be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Let it rip. Let your players make plays and go have fun. I know I'm probably not telling you anything you don't already know. But just go out and play to win. No need to get inside your own head too much. You're prepared. You're ready. Get off the mat, Mitch, and start swinging. Okay. Every week I give you my prediction to the game. And for this week, my forecast is I think the defense has another great game. Wow. Hot take there. I think they actually generate a couple turnovers this week uh, against Denver, though. I think they give some short fields to the offense. Uh, I think we see a better run game out of the Bears, or at least a run game out of the Bears. So I think Chicago should and will win this game by a score of 20. Yes, I'm, I think they'll score 20 points. 20 to 16. Once again, I want to thank Lori Latimer-Volkman for being my guest tonight. Remember to follow me on Twitter at JDBuffone. Make sure you are following the barroom at, at Bears Barroom and on the Facebook page. Alyssa, tell our listeners where they can find your work and contact you on social media. You can find my work over at BearsWire.com and you can find me on Twitter at Alyssa Barbieri. And I also want to tell those listening to us live on Mixler.com that in just a few minutes, we've got two more shows coming up. Fantasy Football Goon with Joe Mandel, who is also known as Joey Two Scoops and Jonathan Chuchi, a.k.a. The Tooch. They will welcome fantasy football legend Spaceball, and the three will get you prepped for week two. That's followed by Shy Fans in the Stands with Greg Braggs and Joey Two Scoops. Their guest tonight is former Bears defensive lineman Corey Wooten. Those two shows, along with this one, will be available on podcast format. So make sure you subscribe to the Bears Barroom Radio Network. That's right. And sign up on Mixler.com for email updates on all of our live shows. We'd love to have you in our chat room. It's all absolutely free to sign up for. We hope you join us live and interact with us. We love company. And if you listen to the podcast, please leave us a review. That helps us out immensely. But... That will do it for this edition of Buffone 55. Thanks for stopping around. Enjoy the game, Barflies. We'll see you next week.